And so I feel like there's that fine line for, I guess, beginners, you know, like how much free work are you willing to uh, to accept before you're like, okay, you know, I know my time mm-hmm. <laughs> is valuable. I know um, the quality that I'm putting out is pretty great too, you know, like... Where's, where's the money? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> where's the money at? Yeah, because you can't, you can't pay your bills with deep conditioner. It just doesn't work like that. I've tried. It just doesn't work. Welcome to The Distillery, where we talk to entrepreneurs, innovators, and rule breakers about challenges and how they ultimately overcome them. Today, we'd like to welcome Rocio Mora to the show. She is the YouTube personality better known as Risa's Rizos. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm excited to have you. It's your first podcast. I know. Don't be nervous. I feel like a legit like entrepreneur now, you know, having these conversations and these interviews and podcasts. <laughs> you are a legit entrepreneur. Um, the, the microphone and the headphones help, too. Okay. <laughs> well... I'm very excited to have you on. Just to let you all know, Rocio happens to be a very good friend of mine, lucky to call her a friend and also a fellow entrepreneur. Um, we talked a while back, I think about a year and a half ago initially, right? Yeah. We sat we sat down and talked, and um, you told me a little bit about your journey to Risa's Rizos. Yes. Um, but I'd love to go back there if you can, because I think your story is so interesting. I want to go back there, too, because I feel like that conversation was so electric, and it was just so inspiring. <laughs> it was one of those conversations where you're like, oh, my God, yes, me, too. <laughs> yes, uh, I felt so inspired by our conversation, and I'm, I'm happy that you're excited to go back there yes. and do it all over again. Um, and tell me, since, and so now you can share your story with our listeners Um and tell us how you got started initially um, with Lisa's Nisos. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, I was actually working in an engineering firm as a pipeline drafter. Mm-hmm. Um, I had lost my curls to heat damage. I had curly hair my entire life, but I had lost my curls to heat damage. And when I lost my curls, I did everything possible to get them back. And I was, um, you know, trying to try different techniques and different methods and different treatments. And um, when my curls came back, they were actually coming back healthier than they were before. So I had friends and family members that were asking me what I did and, you know, how I got my curls healthy, you know, healthy again. And finally, a friend of mine was like, you should just do a video. Just do a video and show us exactly what you're doing. So I did a video on YouTube. And um, from that moment, I would have some subscribers and some comments from friends and family members. But then there were, uh, I guess, usernames that I didn't recognize. And I just assumed it was my friend, friends and family members recreating accounts to make me feel better. And they were like, no, Rocio, we don't have time for you like that. <laughs> so that's when I was like, oh, okay, these are people that I don't know that have questions about what I'm doing. And I actually have answers to those mm-hmm. questions based off of my own personal experience. So I was playing around or tiptoeing with this hobby of being a YouTuber um, and just creating videos surrounded by hair. And like I said, at the time, I was still working for the engineering firm. And then after a couple of months, uh, I actually got laid off. I was It was in the middle of, you know, oil and gas just, you know, plummeting. And everybody mm-hmm. felt like everybody was getting laid off. Mm-hmm. So um, when I got laid off, um, I had just gotten back from my first bloggers conference and learned about how to take that hobby into a business. And I started, um, I guess, applying what I had learned at the conference to what I was doing with Reese's Rizzo's, which is the name of my my brand or my YouTube channel. And um, and slowly it started to grow from there. Um, it was a pain in the beginning because I've never not worked for anybody before. And so, you know, playing around with this hobby and seeing where it it would take me 
in a business perspective, I mm-hmm. guess, was just was just terrifying for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, Lisa Zerizzo, is, is that pronouncing it wrong, right? Yeah, no, you said, yeah, I mean, you know what? Everybody says it wrong. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Risas Rizzos, Risas Rizzos. Okay. Yeah. We need people to say it right. Yes. Say your name. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's true. Okay. Um, and at the time, you were working or you were interning, right, at a, at a television station at the time as well? So before, no, I I was working as a, what was I? I, would, I would guess I was like a... Um, events correspondent. I was talking about events going on in the city. It was on a, a local show on Telemundo. Mm-hmm. But this was before I was working at the engineering firm. And what was funny was that my first uh, year in college, I went in for uh, communications because mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be a broadcasting journalist. I want to be on TV. I want to be a host. I just want to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that never worked out for me. And then later down the line, when I actually went to school for uh, for drafting, mm-hmm. is when I got the side gig mm-hmm. um, on TV. So it's just kind of like a roles reversed mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now I guess I'm hosting my own channel, you mm-hmm. know, like my own personality, just kind of speaking to the camera as myself in my home and to an audience that, you know, that's outside of New Orleans. And and that role did help inspire the work that you're doing now, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. I think it gave me so much more confidence speaking on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it, it helped me understand um, editing mm-hmm. a little bit more. Um, it just, I guess, helped me get out of my shell mm-hmm. um, and give me, I guess, more of like a hosting feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's talk about your audience, because I think um, a lot of time people see successful bloggers and vloggers and, you know, it seems like they've sort of built this audience overnight, but we know and you know even better that that is not true mm-hmm. at all. Right. So talk about what it's like behind the scenes of building your audience. Yeah, it's it's not easy. I mean, you a lot of people... They look at YouTubers and they just assume, oh, all I have to do is turn on a camera and all of a sudden you're going to have millions of people watching you. And that's not the case. You have to, you know, build your your viewership and build your follower base from the ground up. Um, when I first started my channel, all of my content was in English. And um, after a couple of videos, someone had picked up on the fact that I was Latina. And they're like, oh, you should do videos in Spanish. And I was... Um, a little terrified at the idea at first because my Spanish isn't perfect, mm-hmm. um, but I felt like I had a responsibility to create content revolving around hair uh, to a community that wasn't um, being given that same love. love. Right. Um, so I started to create content in Spanish, and even though my Spanish wasn't perfect, I would poke jokes at myself, you know, in videos so that I wouldn't get comments, you know, mm-hmm. negative comments from other people. And um, so, knock on wood, my subscriber base has been very, very positive. But um, I noticed that reaching out to um, a larger community in a different language was what helped me and my channel grow, um, I guess, faster than some of my, my peers at the time. Um I have learned that there are pros and cons to that, to Mm -hmm. combining two different languages in one channel. Um, And what, four years later, I'm finally understanding the cons more than the pros of combining the two. Um, And I've realized that, you know, no matter how hard you work at building your subscriber base and your viewers, um, you have to understand that everyone is different and everyone has different needs. Um, So even though you're creating the same content, if you're creating it in two different languages, uh, you have to understand that your audience 
receive that content differently. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm making sense. Yes, yeah, that makes okay, sense. Yeah. Okay. You're making sense. I'm with you. Okay, good. Um, so how um, how did you do that? Tell us, uh, wh- what does that look like? What does building an audience look like? What does content you know, production look like? I-, I know a little bit behind the scenes because I see you and I see the, the late nights and the early mornings of you creating content and editing. But can you walk our, our, our listeners through what that process looks like of, mm-hmm. from when you started to, to where you are now? Yeah. So um – the number one thing that I think everyone should keep in mind when it comes to being a content creator is um, you want to be consistent. It's really important to be consistent because that's how your your follower base and that's how your viewers, um, they latch on to your presence in, online. You know, they, they want to continue following you and they, they look forward to your content and your videos or your posts or whatever it is that you're creating, um, maybe if you have a schedule, whether you post weekly or you post bi-weekly or, you know, twice a week or whatever, the more consistent you are, the more they're expecting the content from you. And it's kind of, think of it as maybe like your favorite show on TV. You know, mm. it comes on every Thursday at seven o'clock. So you're tuned in every Thursday at seven o'clock. So um, kind of keeping that in mind whenever you're creating your content helps a lot too um, in creating your follower base. Um, yeah, because if that show doesn't come on, you're going to be yeah, looking like, what? I, yeah, what you're going to be scrolling happened? through the guide. You're going to be on Google <laughs> like, where is my show? Why isn't it on? No, it, I mean, it, it's it's the same thing. And you, at least for me, I, I know that there have been parts um, in my YouTube journey where I haven't had the time to create content and I didn't have backup content ready. Um, and I would get messages from subscribers like, hey, where where are you? Where are your videos? <laughs> like, what do you do? What are you doing? Where are you at? Yeah. Um, so it, it's really cool, you know, to know that you have subscribers that are looking forward to that content like that. But, um, you know, you just have to be ready. You have to be prepared, I feel like, at, at all times. If this is something that you want to continue to do, you know, in the next couple of months or years. Um, I, I've also noticed that for me, the better the quality, the more, I guess, I was taken seriously as a content creator. Um, but I, I also warn uh, people who are interested in jumping into YouTube not to go out and splurge on, you know, all this equipment that you think you need. You know, you don't need the best camera in the world. You don't need the best, you know, uh, sound or uh, lighting or anything like that to start. All you need is, I mean, look, our phones have really great quality videos, you know, that you can record and all you really need to do is start. And I think that a lot of people have um, these, they have these ideas on creating content and, you know, um, developing videos related on things that they're really passionate about, but they think that they need all this equipment. And that's not the case. When I started, I started with a family camera and I plopped it on top of my textbooks that I just didn't care about and sat in in front of a window and that was my setup, you know, Mm and, um, when I finally started getting paid for, you know, campaigns or when I finally started to see uh, a consistent paycheck from YouTube, you know, through our AdSense, um, I reinvested that into my brand. And from that money, I bought a better camera or, you know, I bought a tripod or, a, you know, my lighting setup. So, um I don't even know if I answered your question. Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> I feel like I'm like all over the place. <laughs> no, okay. you, I'm following you. Um, just like a conversation, just mm-hmm. just flowing. Okay. Um, 
How long did it take you? How long before you generated your first revenue mm-hmm. as a business? Um, I wouldn't qualify. I guess I wouldn't say that um, my checks from YouTube counted as a business because um, <laughs> I feel like anybody can, you know, post a video and monetize it and get paid for it. Um, I think for me, the first time that I'd ever gotten a check from a brand um, was. I'd say like my, towards the end of my second year, mm-hmm. um, it was with uh, Shea Moisture, which is for, you know, right now has still been, you know, one of the brands that I continue to work with and mm-hmm. I have a really great relationship with. Um, before that moment, before I actually started getting paid, I was being reached out to by um, a couple of brands in, in my in my niche, mm-hmm. um, wanting to work with me, but not wanting to pay me. Um, and so I feel like there's that fine line for, I guess, beginners, you know, like how much free work are you willing to, uh, to accept before you're like, okay, you know, I know my time mm-hmm. is valuable. I know, um, the quality that I'm putting out is pretty great too. You know, like where's, where's the money? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> where's the money at? Yeah. Cause you can't, you can't pay your bills with deep conditioner. It just doesn't work <laughs> like that. I've tried. It just doesn't work. Um, so yeah. So for me, um, I've noticed that doing the free work actually, helps brands realize, um, you know, obviously if the, if the work that you're putting out is of great quality in it and you're getting uh, great engagement for it, then at that point you can tell the brand, hey, you know, like I've done X amount of jobs for you for free. You know, this is what I know I can provide. And then that's when you turn it around and sort of pitch to the brand and be like, this is what I can do for you if you can pay me X amount of dollars. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. Yeah. Similar to writing when you're yeah. starting off, you know, you when you're trying to build your writing samples and portfolio, mm-hmm. you, you just have get your word out. Yeah. Or your name out. Your name out. Mm-hmm. You have to do, I think, a certain amount of work for free or without mm-hmm. getting paid. But then you reach a point where you, you know, you have to draw the line and say, okay, mm-hmm. n- now my my skill, my time, my talent is, you know, has reached right. a, a level where, okay, I need to be paid. Right. Um, but the point I'm trying to drive home for listeners is that it it took time. It took you at yeah. least two years yeah, before. Yeah, two, two full years. Which I actually think is um is a lot is a lot shorter mm-hmm. than a lot of um, bloggers and um and content creators that I've, mm-hmm. I've talked to, I think uh, I think generally it takes longer, um, but it takes time to build yeah. that audience and it takes time to uh, actually make money mm-hmm. doing it. And for me, you know, it was six months into the, the YouTube hobby is mm-hmm. what I'll, I'll say at first. Six months of the hobby before I got laid off. And so I was a year and a half mm-hmm. uh, without making money mm-hmm. off of YouTube. I had to do these, you know, audit, I have odd end jobs, you know, just trying to scrap some money here and there to be able to pay the bills that I had from when I was working at the, I mean, I didn't have the bills from working at the engineering firm, but I was able to pay those bills mm-hmm. with ease. You know, I had health insurance. Yes. Um, you know, that's, that's, I feel like that's something that nobody ever wants to talk about when you become an entrepreneur. No, you have to pay 
to be healthy, okay? That's... I want to talk about yes, that. I mean, we need more people to talk about it. Very, very important right. and overlooked. In fact, I think we did a post on on the distillery a while back yeah. about um, when you're starting off as an entrepreneur, what to do for health insurance mm-hmm. because it's really important. And you and I know from experience yes. of when you go off on your own. That was a serious reality check when I first, um, you know, decided to do this full time. Um because you, there, there are little things that you just forget about, you know, that you, you ride the wave of having a, a your nine to five, and you, you just know that everything is taken care of, and you don't have to think about things like health insurance. Um, so when you, you know, when you walk the line of being an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh shit, I have to do this too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have to worry about this too. Um, well, it's hard. It's hard. Um, it's hard to stay. F- focused and stay positive um and this is mainly um i guess speaking as a as a blogger as a youtuber um it's hard to stay focused and stay positive when you don't have a support system number one when you have a lot of people telling you to get a real job when you have a lot of people telling you you know that you'd probably have a better chance of making money if you were to go back to school Mm -hmm. um and find another passion of yours to get into because mm-hmm. um, nobody sees YouTube or blogging as a legitimate career mm-hmm. so it's hard when you don't have a support system it's hard when you don't see you know instant return return you know on your investment you don't you're not getting paid the way you you hoped you know because you hear all these stories about YouTubers making millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of dollars on you're not going to get there if you're just starting, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the reality. And I don't think that enough people are talking about it to put that into a newbie's perspective, for example. Yes, yes. And in fact, I want to I want to dive deeper into that because mm-hmm. you know that's what I that's what I, I hope to do uh, with the distillery and with yes. and bringing these these stories and conversations to life. That's why I loved our our initial conversation because I was just like, if I had this conversation with someone when I first started. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been as scared, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's something about about talking about the real crap that we have to go through that makes you feel like you're not alone. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not alone, especially um, in your space of um, blogging and vlogging and you know, you, you live essentially on social media. Mm-hmm. And I think that nowadays the, the reality mm-hmm. that, you know, that we live in is social media is such a huge part of it. But, you know, so much of it is an illusion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, th- it's a snapshot, the highlights of yeah. our life. Nobody um, talks about the the bad. Yeah, the the bad, the ugly, mm-hmm. the the dark, um, the tough stuff, and I think it's really important that we do talk about it. And so, and so, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to mm-hmm. get more into that with you. Uh, I mean, we were we were just saying today this morning, uh, you know, you and I weren't feeling well, and there are days we're just so tired and low energy and not feeling well yeah. for whatever reason it may be, and. Dragging yourself out of bed and 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 getting to it and and for you why I'm I'm especially excited to have your voice here is because you know your it's your job mm-hmm. to showcase your life on social media, and so um, 
how do you how do, what do you do on those days when you know you're you're a real person you're a personality mm-hmm. yes that is your brand mm-hmm. um, but you know you're a real person facing real real struggles like mm-hmm. anyone else so um, what are your thoughts on that mm-hmm. um, so I I feel like this is something that I'm still fighting myself mm-hmm. on because for the first what three years of me doing this everything had to be perfect everything had like my I mean I, I talk mainly about hair so my hair had to be perfect you know my makeup had to be perfect my life had to be perfect because I'm sharing my life with my viewers so you know um with Instagram stories and Snapchat being you know m- more popular people want to see the behind the scenes so if you're not perfect at all times um you feel, and, you know, I, I can't speak for everybody, for, but for me, because things had to be perfect for me, you feel like you're not worthy of your, of, of the brand that you've built. Hmm. I don't know if if I'm putting that in the right terms, but at if, least... Do you feel like you have, um, you feel like you have the pressure to put on? Yeah, I feel like I have to be on at all times. Mm-hmm. At all times. Um, there, there have been instances where I... You know, I don't, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to, I don't want to have to worry about creating any content. Maybe I just need a day off or a couple of days off to just kind of recharge and reconnect with myself. Mm-hmm. And I'll be out and about and I'll see somebody who recognized me from YouTube. I'm like, oh my God, you're Reese's Rizzo's. And I'm just like, oh I, I feel like I have to sit there and apologize. Like, please forgive me for looking this way. I'm having an off day. Like, you know, and they're like, no, oh my God, I have off days all the time. So I've, I've learned that. It's okay to be real, and it's okay to be um, to be open with your viewers, your listeners, your readers, um, because it it almost it almost feels like they have I don't know how to describe it they, like you're relatable. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say mm-hmm. they connect to you. They're they able connect to better more. connect mm-hmm. to you. Um, but I just I don't know. I think I'm I've been fighting myself on it because I want to I mean I, I I would hope that I'm relatable but I don't know you know we all have we're all I are human this, yeah we are human but I feel like I have this vulnerable spot that mm-hmm. just I don't want people to know about you mm-hmm. know I don't want people to know that I have really horrible off days and I can't get out of bed until you know 11 12 o'clock in the afternoon because I just don't have the energy to do it mm-hmm. you know I don't want people to know that. Mm-hmm. And here I am talking about it on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but you're being you know, honest. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard, you yeah. know. It, it's hard to share some details about your struggle as an entrepreneur because people have this perception that you have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that now, you know, four years into into being on YouTube. I, I didn't have this problem in the beginning. I think my struggles in the beginning was really just trying to figure out how to pay the bills and trying to figure out if I needed to go back to school, you know, and, and I think those were the struggles. And I think right now my struggle is is coming to terms with whether or not or how much of myself I want to, mm-hmm. to talk about. Because, you know, I fell into the niche by accident. Mm-hmm. You know, my friend was just, just do a video on here. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And that's how it started. Um, and I fell into that hole. And I, and mm-hmm. there's some days where I don't feel like talking about hair. And yeah. I want to talk about faith. I want to talk about my family. I want to talk about traveling. And you build your subscriber base from 
one thing for me it was hair mm-hmm. that when I talk about other things the engagement is off and mm-hmm. you know you don't get as many views and you don't get as many con- uh, comments and so it's also hard to um, continue working with brands on a consistent basis because they don't see the numbers consistent anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's I feel like that's the struggle that I'm in now mm-hmm. it's just kind of like Finding the balance between, you know, being on but also Mm -hmm. being yourself and Mm -hmm. being honest. Mm -hmm. Is that your your biggest struggle that you are facing currently? I think right now, um, I think right now that is my biggest struggle Mm -hmm. is, is trying to figure out where to go next. And I feel like these are all, all the things that have to do with helping me decide on where to go next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where to, to, to map out your, yeah. your future with it. Yeah. With your I, yeah. I'd audience. still like to do this, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. this is something I, I want to continue to do in the future. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of finding ways to do so that keep me happy. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that's most important. And I think a lot of people who start on YouTube, they don't do it for themselves. They do it for other people mm-hmm. and they do it for the money. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, I feel like that's really dangerous as a content creator because you have to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not happy, you don't want to. Then why? It's yeah. going back to the why of yeah. why you're doing something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It is a lot of pressure. I mean, you know, I see you in your element and it is, it's it's definitely, I think, a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. But I think it is important. I think, I don't know if more people in your space feel comfortable with being honest and vulnerable mm-hmm. um, because I know there is a pressure, you know, mm-hmm. to um, to create certain content or to put on a certain persona. But I do think it's important that we are honest about those days. And um, I've had similar experiences where, you know, in, in, as a meditation teacher, mm-hmm. um, where you have to be a source of, of positive energy and um and a source of giving for students and Mm -hmm. there have been days some of my worst days Mm -hmm. really lowest days where I've I've had to show up and teach for a class and I just did not have it in me and in those days I was honest with them and I feel like people people receive it and they understand mm-hmm. and I, I do think that it, it somehow breaks down some sort of barrier yeah and helps you to connect more with those people and it's different you know a meditation class is different from you know uh, a YouTube channel mm-hmm. um, but I hope that's my hope that people you know listening to this podcast or reading um, stories you know feel empowered to be mm-hmm. honest because I do think that's how we we connect, which is why that yeah. that first conversation um, that we had was so impactful. I, I would imagine that you being honest with um, with those in your class, um, it might have helped a little bit because you felt confident enough in sharing that with them, mm-hmm. and because you you know you you know them, you know the people in your class, and I think that um, that definitely helps. You know, we we invest so much time and energy in our craft, you mm-hmm. know, in whatever it is that we do. So for me, you know, like I, there were some, there were big chunks of this whole YouTube life that I would wake up at like six, seven o'clock in the morning and 
you know, run downstairs and start editing and I'll be in my PJs editing. And, you know, next thing you know, it's like three, four o'clock. I'm like, holy, I don't know. You can curse. I was like, holy shit, I haven't eaten anything all day. And then you have lunch (laughs) and lunch turns into dinner. And then you, you know, you keep editing or filming or whatever it is you're doing. And I don't go to sleep until three, four o'clock in the morning. That those are times where I've been on. Mm-hmm. And you, like I said, you invest so much time and so much energy in what it is that you're doing. Sometimes I feel like a walking zombie because I'm, I, I put so much effort into the content that I'm creating. Mm-hmm. And you you build your community online. Mm-hmm. And I feel really attached to my community. I feel like they're family, you know, like the subscribers in both English and Spanish that I've I've gotten in the last couple of years. I really feel like... You know, they're like they're cousins of mine, you know, like I like I'll, I'll talk to them online like their family. And I think it's it's maybe it's scarier for me. I've I've done some videos before where I'll um, be transparent, you know, when my grandmother died, when, you know, when I was cheated on and I lost my job, you know, like mm-hmm. all that happened around the same time. And I felt you know, uh, very depressed at the time and I wasn't creating a lot of content. And, um, I felt like I had, I had to share to at least explain why I wasn't mm-hmm. uh, visible anymore on the YouTube space. And I was getting comments, you know, like, where are you? Where have you been? Like, what you, what you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's easier to, to share that and be vulnerable with people that, um, that you build a relationship with you know, whether it be in person or online, but it's, it's scary because you, you don't want them to look at you differently. Right. You know, cause I'm afraid that they'll look at me differently. They'll, they'll see my vulnerability as a weakness. And I don't know, my fear is that they're gonna be like, Oh my God, like she's got too much going on. I don't want to follow her anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And you, you build that relationship with them, like family. You don't want family to like disown you or like not talk to you or something you know for whatever you're unsubscribe yeah oh my god it's the worst don't unsubscribe (laughs) yeah yeah it's a a pressure Mm -hmm. it's definitely a pressure it seems um well one of the things that i do love about you as a person and a youtuber (laughs) is that i do feel like you truly connect with people you do you are you know a down-to-earth new orleans girl um and you know and you have this sort of family of followers um which you speak to in both english and spanish which i just think is so cool um it's cool but it's a lot of work <laughs> it's so much work it's like it's living twice, it's twice the work it's twice, <laughs> literally twice the work <laughs> It's a lot of work, but, you know, great work is never easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel like you um, are very li- relatable and you connect with your audience and um, you talk about New Orleans a lot. You know, you, you, you love your city. Um, you were raised here in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting is that you've built, you've managed to build this audience outside of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So for the most part, your your followers are in other cities, right? Yeah. They're yeah. Uh, so in, in the U.S., mainly a lot of my followers come from New York. Mm-hmm. Um, they come f- mainly from New York and Florida. New York being the biggest, um, because I have um, even in my content that I create in English, a lot of them are Latinas Mm -hmm. here in the U.S. So it's going to be in um, cities that have a a pretty high presence of Latinos. So New York, uh, Miami, uh, L.A. 
Um, outside of the U.S., I have a lot of my subscriber base in Central and South America mm-hmm. um, because of the Spanish content that, that I've created. Um, I So last year I went on a tour. Um, it was Rizos on the Road, um, and we talked about um, and celebrated the fact that there are Afro-Latinas in, in the natural hair community. And um, we had, you know, really pretty big-name sponsors, and these sponsors try to have a say in um, in the cities because um, when we presented the cities to them I um, said Miami New Orleans was very important to me Houston Los Angeles Chicago and New York because like I said we wanted to capture as many Latinos in the US as possible um, and Kia was our our title sponsor and they had a really hard time with uh, wanting to invest in the tour because of New Orleans because um, New Orleans isn't a big market mm-hmm. for them and it's just you know for me the hispanic community is a really big um importance to me in in reaching out to them and what i do but new orleans is also just as important mm-hmm. um because it's my home these are my people like you know <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. can't let go of new orleans um and new orleans in my opinion and um and in kia's opinion too turned out to be one of the the most successful cities or stops on the tour so I also feel like as a New Orleanian, we have a responsibility if we have these connections with big name brands to get them to want to invest in events here in New Orleans mm-hmm. because, you know, otherwise we get overlooked. So you're trying to put on for your city. Yeah. What was it like growing up in New Orleans as a Latina? Your mom is Honduran. Yes. Your dad is Mexican. Yes. What what are Sundays like? I know they involve saints <laughs> during the saint season, yes. but what are Sundays like at home? Um, so on on an off season when we're not playing, uh, or when the saints aren't playing, um, it's it was usually church, mm-hmm. always church, mm-hmm. and then something to do in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, this is usually when we were younger, you know, before all of us, you know, have our our own lives to take care of. But uh, my parents and um, you know, my, when my grandmother was around, we we liked. Just exploring the city, you know, whether it be going to the aquarium, going to the zoo, going to the French Quarter, you know, like going uptown, going to mid-city, just like different parts of the city to explore. Uh, we we used to do it as a family. It was always church and then New Orleans. It was just kind of like, that's what we did growing up. And you're doing some cool things right now with the city, right? Yes. <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, because it's so exciting. It's very exciting. Yes. I think I'm I'm most excited because this is something that I've, um, from the moment I started the YouTube channel and, like, wanting to remind people that I'm a New Orleanian, it's, mm-hmm. it's I don't know, I just think this is cool. So I'm working, um, I'm working with Visit New Orleans in Gonola for Hispanic Heritage Month to um, basically celebrate New Orleans and show um, people who are Latino who might not have visited New Orleans before what, like, what what to see in New Orleans. Like, how, I don't know. I just, I get Like New Orleans through a seal's eyes? Yes. New Orleans through um, a Latina, mm-hmm. New Orleanian. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you were in New York and... Thinking about visiting, you would. I got you. I got all the places that you should visit. <laughs> all the places, that, all the restaurants you should eat at, all the, you know, the bars that you should drink at. Like, I I will have your weekend planned out. But you know what's really cool is that, what? like, I'll have, I'll have subscribers 
I'll be like, oh, I'm coming to New Orleans this weekend. Where are some places I should check out? And I've been doing this for the last couple of years. Like, I'm like, this girl, I got you. Let me plan out. Get Like, I'll do, like, a little Excel spreadsheet and just mm-hmm. send it over to them. Be like, this, these are places you have to go to. And so when, uh, when I was reached out to you for this opportunity, I felt like it was perfect because I already have this planned out. Like, it's I kind of wanted to just send them this spreadsheet that I've been sending to everybody else and just, like, here, you know. Like, <laughs> it's Rocio's itinerary. Yes. That should be a post or a video. Yeah. Well, it will be a video. It will be. Yeah, that's true. Very good stuff. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm also very excited to see the city um, and a, a lot of just a lot of organizations and, and, and brands um, get excited about Hispanic Heritage Month yes. um, now, I think, especially. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool to see that. Um, what is Rocia's mantra? What are some words that you're living by these days, you know, on those maybe tough days that mm-hmm. it, it's hard to, to get up and get it together? So um, so there's one phrase um, in Spanish that mm-hmm. has stuck with me for many, many years. And I have to, like, constantly remind myself of it because usually, you know, we'll sit through life and be like, man, if, if only I had, you know, woken up early one day to you know to get my editing done or my filming done or Mm -hmm. if only I had taken that that job opportunity in some city you know that I've always wanted to live in or you know if only life is always filled with if onlys Mm -hmm. so there's a phrase in Spanish that's um el hubiera no existe which is I guess like what the what could haves and what should haves they don't exist Mm -hmm. um so to sit there and dwell on the crap that you wish you would have done you know, it's it's a waste of your time. It's a waste of your energy. And you just have to continue looking to the future. And what are things that I can do now um, to not sit in my future self and dwell on the past? Does that make sense? Am yes. I making sense? Yeah. You're making perfect okay. sense. Yeah, because I do that a lot. I, Me, as Rocio, I know I'm the kind of person that I'll sit there and I'll dwell on, like, oh, the should-haves and the could-haves. Mm-hmm. Um but I have to constantly remind myself that el hubiera no existe and that I just have to keep keep pushing forward and just, you know. Mm. I love that. Let, let, let me practice my Spanish here. <laughs> La nuera. El hubiera. Oh, that was all off, guys. El. 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 Hubiera. Hubiera. No existe. No existe. There you go. Ooh, my Spanish is rusty. Rosetta Stone. <laughs> Rocio Stone. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Any any final parting words? I know you know we talked about just to sort of bring it back full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the 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 challenge of being honest and open and and, mm-hmm. and vulnerable and and I hope that that's something you will feel more able and, and empowered to do as you continue to you know build and grow your audience. But mm-hmm. any um. Any parting words for maybe a young Rocio or an inspiring content creator um, who might be wanting to to break into the space? I I would say um, if there's anybody around you, whether they're doing the same thing that you're doing or not, preferably an entrepreneur, um, they don't have to be a YouTuber. They don't have to be, you know, a a writer or, you know, whatever it is that, that you're doing. If you can find another entrepreneur, sit with them, have, you know, have lunch, you know, go out for a drink and just talk with them about what you're doing. 
and what you're going through, whether it's something positive, something negative, something that you're just struggling to get through because entrepreneurship is lonely when you don't have that person to talk to. When you and I met last year, I was in a completely different space um, with what I'm doing with Reese's Rizzo's in my channel. It was before the tour. It was, you know, um, when I was finally starting to, I guess, get paid in a way that was matching what I was making at the, at the engineering firm. Um, and now I call it pre-tour and post-tour. So now post-tour, I'm in a completely different space. And now, now my mind is on like where to go next and where to go next in a way that's going to keep me happy and keep me um, focused on my goal and my dream um, with Reese's results and where I want to take it. So just know if you are an entrepreneur, you're going to go through ups, you're going to go through downs, you're going to be where, wherever you are now, you are not going to be in this space next year. And you might not even be in this space a couple of months from now. I had a, a conversation with my friend Justin um, a couple of months ago, you know, talking about the fact that entrepreneurship is lonely. And, you know, when, when you don't have somebody to talk to, that it can feel like no one's listening and no one's supporting. And if you don't have that support, support system, it's so hard. But it's so funny because we were having that conversation a couple of months ago. And I just had a conversation with him, what, like last week? And I'm like, man, we are in way better spaces now than we were a couple of months ago. You know, like you just don't know where the universe is going to take you. You don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know, you know, what you're going to run into with what you're doing. So it's just, just know that if you're going through some shit now that is just screwing with your mind, it's, it's making you doubt, you know, your dream and your passion and what it is that you're doing, know that there is something better coming. And it just makes it 10 times easier when you have somebody to talk to about it. When you have that support system, that cheerleader, that, you know, that hype man that's going to, you know, be like, you can do this. You know, I like being your hype woman. I like being your hype Thanks. woman. <laughs> Fan girl. Yes. I think that's great, great advice, though. Where you are now well, is not the same, will not be the same in, in, in one year. Mm -mm. It's, it, it helps you. It just helps you really sort of pinpoint yeah. and say okay I can I can visualize this mm -hmm. I can see it I can I can get there mm -hmm. so I'm really glad I'm really glad that you that you left our listeners with that and I'm really glad that you're here today talking with us thank you so much for thank being you here for thank you all for listening and we will see you next time tune in and to read a little bit more about Rocio, you can see her story up on the distillery.life. And if you want to follow and subscribe to her YouTube channel, you can at Risa's Rizzo's. Yes, youtube.com slash Risa's Rizzo's. And on Instagram too, Risa's Rizzo's. R-I-S-A-S-R-I-Z-O-S. And if you have questions about YouTubing or blogging or anything like that, you want to hit me up, I'll help you out. Give her a shout, you guys. She'll answer back, and it's really her, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all.